Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women on how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwitit.org. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Get With It podcast. Today I have a panel of wonderful, fabulous ladies that we're going to uh, get to know. And um, so everybody who listens to my podcast knows I suck at last names. I Botch them like you wouldn't believe. So these fine ladies are going to introduce themselves. <laughs> um, and then um, why don't we do this? Why don't you ladies introduce yourselves, kind of what your role, what your career is, what you're doing right now. And then we'll kind of circle back around with each of you on your background and how you got involved with Ocean and go from there. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right. Who'd like to start? I'm, I'm open. Silence is deadly. <laughs> I'll go ahead. <laughs> okay. Kim's going to tear it up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kim Knoyer. I'm an information security engineer at Ocean, which is a nonprofit internet service provider. And the role that I have right now, I administer, manage, help deploy cloud security services to our members which include healthcare, higher education, K through 12s, nonprofits, and state and local government. And we, uh, some of the products we are, uh, or that I'm working on specifically are Duo for multi-factor authentication, Cisco Umbrella for uh, edge filtering, web filtering. Um, and we're working on a vulnerability scanning product right now that we're in the process of uh, developing and getting to launching. So that's some of the work that I do at Ocean. Oh, not busy at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. All right. Francesca, I'll, I'll go just down the list. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, depending on your time zone. So I'm Francesca Spidalieri. I am I'm wearing multiple hats. So the hats that this lovely group of ladies knows me for is um, working as the senior fellow for cyber leadership at the Pell Center for International Relations and Public Policy which is a small think tank within the campus of South Regina University in Newport, Rhode Island, where I also teach cybersecurity for managers as part of their MBA program. I'm also a cybersecurity consultant for Hathaway Global Strategies, which is a niche consulting firm um, that advises public and private sector clients on emerging technologies, global security trends, cyber-related policy laws, regulation, and how they might affect their business decision um, and investments. I'm also an um, adjunct or you know, non-resident fellow at multiple other think tanks, both in the United States and Europe. So I try to be a bridge between, uh, you know, Europe and the U.S. on a whole host of cybersecurity and technology issues. Okay, another fine, fabulous <laughs> young lady who has so much time on her hands, I'm sure of it, right? <laughs> Just don't sleep. <laughs> Sounds about right. Okay, Mary. Yes, good morning. Um, I'm Mary Sharif. I'm a technical security architect with Cisco. 
Uh, what that really means is that I uh, work with my clients and they have they are uh, K through 12, higher ed, state government, counties, municipalities. And I go and architect a uh, security um, you know, design for, for based on their requirements. So I collect the requirements, understand what their needs are, assess what is currently deployed in their environment, and then come up with solutions to cover the gaps that they currently have or make them more resilient, you know, um, and change some things on them. So um, that's what I do. Oh boy. You ladies, you got so much time on your hands. We can only imagine what Susanna's got going on. <laughs> Hello, my name's Suzanne Mello-Stark and I'm a professor at uh, um, Rhode Island College. I'm a computer science professor and I'm, I'm building out the cybersecurity program at Rhode Island College. I'm also the um, director of Gen Cyber, which is a program that um, I'm the director at, at RIC for um, Gen Cyber, which is a program that um, educates high school kids in cybersecurity. And Mary and Francesca and Kim have been wonderful working with my students at both Gen Cyber and, um, and in, in college students. I started this cybersecurity. Uh, interview um, program to help young young people connect with professionals and they've all participated and it's been wonderful for them experience. Oh, that's great. We love when the love is shared. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, well then let's, Suzanne, we're going to put you back on the spot. How about you tell us what you're like, how you got into what you're doing, like your background. Okay, well, I always I, make fun of people and say, we don't need to know, go all the way to back to birth, but we like <laughs> to know where he came from. <laughs> well, I was born in Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, well, I started as a software engineer and I, I have various experience on projects. I, I, I programmed submarines. I, I worked at the Missile Warning Center in Cheyenne Mountain. I was a, a Unix kernel engineer for a while. And then I crossed over into marketing product management area, and I was a product manager for a, a, a product called Soft Switch, which which took the um, calls off of the phone network and put it put them on the internet back in in the dot com boom. And just uh, about ten years ago, I became a professor. So uh, that's my um, my journey. And you know, cybersecurity has just been something needed that I've kind of fell into. I mean, you'd be surprised on how much people know about cybersecurity. They don't realize it, you know, as, as they start peeling back the onion, like, oh, that's cybersecurity. You know, so with networking oh. and things, you know, so. I could have talked to you ladies like two months ago. I got hacked. Oh, no. Bank account and everything cleared out. It was awful. It was horrible. Well, hopefully the bank, the bank must have covered everything for you. They did. They did. But that panic moment when you wake up and you're like, what the, <laughs> yeah, I had that. <laughs> so, um, I just have this random question. Have you ever been in a submarine? Me? Oh, okay. That's a great story because actually when I, when I programmed submarines, women were not allowed on submarines. Shut the okay. front door. <laughs> yeah. So I was never picked to actually go when we when the testing happened, I wasn't one of the engineers that was picked because I'm a woman. So the guys got to go. Well, that's some yeah. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Wow. All right. 
All right. But things have changed. You know, I have, I have female friends now that still do that kind of a job and they get to go on the subs now. Huh. See, I picked up that submarine. I was fascinated by that. Okay. (laughs) All right. Francesca, how about you? Hello again. Well, I probably have the least traditional background in this group. So I actually wanted to be a diplomat growing up. I wanted to change the world. And so I did everything you could expect to pursue that kind of career. Studied international affairs, learned several languages, studied, lived and worked in multiple countries. Um, And while cybersecurity was not part of my initial upbringing or studies in college, um, it's actually while I was in grad school studying all these fascinating things that I became more interested about how countries and states were using cyberspace to project power, impose you know, their own interests, influence global politics. Um, you know, we're studying how military organization uh, were using cyber tools, uh, how new conflict were also being conducted through and uh, in cyberspace. And so that's what got my interest. Um, and after you know finishing my graduate studies, I was able to take additional coursework at the Naval War College, also in Newport and, you know, specialized in this field more as a political scientist, which is my background. Now, through various initiatives and because I was at the right place at the right time 10 years ago when this was very much a very technical field, I was among the first few who was able to find, you know, again, a great fellowship at the Pell Center, great female mentors that took me under their wings and started studying these issues from economic, from the economic perspective, the governance, the public policy study. And in the meantime, the field continued to grow and more and more uh, people were needed to be able to explain in simple terms to policy makers, to CEOs, to other executives, how these issues affect their business and their organization, that I was able to turn this into a career. And now that actually is an actual career, defined career. <laughs> Not made up. What, um, where are you from? You clearly have an accent that is I'm not really, Rhode Island. Yes, absolutely. And it's never going to go away. It's not a Rhode Island accent, but um, I was originally born and raised in Italy. Um, oh, I've okay. lived more than half of my life elsewhere, but my whole family is still in Italy. Rhode Island was my uh, state that adopted me when I became a citizen and everything. So, um, but I'm originally from Italy. Okay. Okay. Yes. I didn't, that Rhode Island accent that you was not the same as what you have. So, Okay. <laughs> All right, Mary. Yes. So um, my career actually in cybersecurity started when I took, Francesca probably taught that, you know, kind of what Francesca does right now, teaching uh, cybersecurity and MBA programs. Actually, I took a cybersecurity class during my MBA and, and got exposed to it. And I just right off the bat, I just really loved it. And I got more introduced to it, uh, you know, did a little bit more research. I did a graduate certificate in information security uh, after my MBA, and I just knew that I found the thing that I really love. And going, you know, from that, I started working for New York State. I um, did some work with, you know, consulting work, and then ended up at Cisco. So um, I was not a very, very technical geek from you know, from, from the background. And I just had to pick that up and learn it really quickly when I started working for Cisco. Uh, so it was an interesting transition. And now I can't really imagine ever doing anything else but being in security. 
But my love and passion has always been the compliance piece of it, right? Working with NIST framework and with ISO and really looking at the governance piece because to Francesca's point, there's a lot of people that understand the technical and then there are a lot of people that understand the governance. Most people don't understand both sides. Oh, that, so you I need people that. that, you know, that you can um, communicate the, you know, the interdependencies of, of what you make in terms of the decision, in terms of the policy, how does that really end up being implemented, audited, matured, all of those things kind of need to work hand in hand. And a lot of times what happens is the implementer, the custodians, they don't often have the tools or the, or the, or the right language to articulate the residual risk or what they need in order to mature the organization further back to the owners. Uh, and so there's always that, that lack of understanding between the two groups where one thinks everything is good. I don't need to spend any more money. You know, we're all good and the custodians go, you know, I do the bare minimum because that's all they can afford. So I try to bridge that a little bit. And that's where the sweet spot is for me always, you know, taking that policy side and really tying it with the, with the technologies that, you know, we offer at Cisco and just in the industry. Wow. Well, come on, girl. You're now you can say you're kind of a techie geek, right? Um, yes, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can configure firewalls and all that good stuff. So yeah. I can say that. Yeah. Here you go. All right. Kim. Who's well, not a Rhode Island background. Yes, that's Rocky Point. That's the pier at Rocky Point. It's um, right, yes, okay. yes. Um, so my my career path has been a little different. Um, more, I think, in in the trenches, if you will. I started off, and I know you don't want us to go back too far, but I was in telecommunications originally. Um, I had gone to college and just didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I got a job with the utility company, with a phone company, and at the time we were working on uh, migrations from the old rotary dial, which was an electromechanical switching system. And we were upgrading. We, I worked on a team that traveled around the state upgrading the systems to electronic switching systems so people could have so, touch tone. Before you go any further, for our young listeners, I, I actually grew up with a rotary phone. And then when we got a touch, it was a big deal in my house. And then when we got a cordless, holy, oh my God, that was huge. But um were you like sitting there with the earphones doing like the no, that's actually the operator. So the operators, operators. Okay. The switchboard operators. No, yeah. I was I was in working on a big mainframe wiring uh, the connections oh, okay. and okay. yeah, it was pretty it was pretty cool and I, I loved always loved working with my hands and problem solving. Um, so then I got married and pushed pause on the career, but while I was while I was pausing and raising a family, I was back in school. I was working um, in another field, uh, but kind of sharpening those uh, soft skills. And then when I got back into the computer area, I was working at a local hospital and I was able to go into their computer department. And I started out as a computer operator, help desk, moved to another company and into programming, which I found I didn't like. I was good at it in school, but I really didn't like sitting at a desk doing that. So I eventually wound up uh, managing uh, a network for a small agency, state agency, and uh, it was it was pretty comprehensive. We did a lot of work with the federal government, so there was a lot of compliance for safety and security. Um, and I accidentally kind of 
developed a security posture in this job by, I say accidental because it wasn't, I didn't have this overarching plan that I worked towards. I was just so afraid that something would get hacked or we'd get a virus or, you know, we'd wind up on the front page of the newspaper. So I'd always say to my boss, we need to, we need to do this. We need to do that. And in the end, I was there for about seven, 16 years. I had this defense in depth layered security posture in place. And that was back in well 2008, 2010. People were like, wow. You know, and I'm like, oh, is that what you call that? <laughs> no, it's, it was pretty cool. Um, but when I left there, I, I went to Ocean. I've been at Ocean for just over six years. And uh, it is a fast-paced environment. We do a lot for our members. It's, it's a consortium. And our members basically tell us, like, this is what we're interested in. This is what we need. And then we try to develop the best offering. So I actually work with Mary at Cisco with her team. Uh, we've we deployed Umbrella. We are in the process of deploying dual multi-factor authentication, and it's a never-ending field. Um, I love doing. I love working with the members. I love working in the capacity that I that I'm in now, and it's just been this evolution. Uh, I, I didn't plan it, <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say too, to Suzanne's point, uh, I have my my son was a submariner. One of my sons was a submariner, and my husband built submarines at, at General Dynamics uh, for 40 years. He had a career there. I always wanted to go on one of those Tiger cruises and do one of those. Uh, what do they yes. call it? The emergency yes. blow. Ah, exactly. I know. And I, I wasn't able to do it. They, not because uh, I was a woman. They did have tiger cruises, but my son was never able to coordinate it for us. Uh, but anyway, just a little sidetrack. I would have loved like to have done it. Rhode Island thing? <laughs> yes, is like yes. submarines? Is that like a Rhode Island thing? Yes. Well, we, we do build them here and we also program them here. So, yes. It oh, is Okay. And they're yeah. in a big defense industry yeah. and the Navy. So very small state. So we're all somehow connected to the defense industry at some level, whether our students go work there or we're teaching somebody or we know somebody, it's our neighbors, somebody you know, in our family. Again, small state, and that's a big industry uh, for Rhode Island. The, the, again, the Navy, the defense contractor, the shipbuilding. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, look at that. Wow. All right. Okay. So, all right. So we know now all your backgrounds, which is pretty extensive for each of you. So how do y'all know each other? Like, how do y'all, it sounds like Kim works with Mary and everybody works with Suzanne. It's actually thanks to Ocean. Well, again, it's most state. We do a lot of collaborative efforts. You know, the Pell Center hosted, used to, you know, pre-pandemic, host uh, monthly seminars, webinar conference, tabletop exercises. And so I would always invite as much as I could local expert to come and share best practices and expertise. And Ocean uh, does similar event for their constituencies. And so we have often collaborate on events, both online and in person. And so that's how I got to meet all these lovely ladies. Yeah, and Ocean is great partner for a lot of uh, places. Like, for example, for Rhode Island College last summer, Ocean came in and they created a capture the flag game for um, the high school students, which they love to do. And um, Ocean had their anniversary at, on Rhode Island College campus. And Rhode Island is a really small state. And so, you know, we all do know each other. <laughs> Francesca and I are on boards together. I mean. <laughs> well, also Ocean actually provides our connectivity yes, for yes. all the campuses and universities and nonprofit in the state. So we also depend on them for our. Absolutely. 
So what, okay. Um, I know Kim, you mentioned it since you work there, give us, it's a nonprofit. And yeah. while you're describing it at the end, give the website. Cause we always have a lot of people who are interested. They like to go Google. Sure. So we're a nonprofit internet service provider and we provide, as I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the verticals that we provide mem- um, services to are the higher education, K through 12 and libraries, nonprofits, um, the healthcare, all of the hospitals in the state are our members, um, state and local government. And we're a collaborative agency or, or company, if you will. We want to work with our members. And as I mentioned, our members come to us and say, we have, you know, we have a problem we're trying to solve here. We actually have a member lounge when we were able to be in the office where we invite our members down to collaborate. How did you fix this? How did you solve that? Or just get together and and discuss these different challenges. Um, We want their input. We're not telling them what, you know, well, this is what we're going to give you and that will fix your problem. You know, so it's, it's a great, we have a great mission trying to give the best services for the best price um, to our, to our membership because everybody's challenged with, we need security. We need, the bandwidth, but how do we get there safely? Um, the, we've been in business for just over 20 years and it's most people in Rhode Island don't even know who we are. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. We're, we're a little hidden gem, I'd have to say. So really it's customizing the needs of your members. So it's not like a one shop. Correct. For the most part. I mean, we have our service offerings, but yeah, we do usually go that extra yard for a particular, we like to call them one-offs. Oh, uh, we'll do this for this member because they need this special uh, piece or this special uh, configuration. Uh, But yeah, for the most part, here are our offerings and and then we'll tailor it to those. uh, Okay. So the the website is www.oshean.org. Good. Okay. And then where does Cisco come in now? <laughs> Let me unmute myself first. So um, as an organization, so we, we work with, you know, Ocean and with a lot of other state agencies, universities and K through 12 customers. That's, the, that's actually the, the market segment that I serve oh, okay. uh, for all of New England and including Connecticut. Um, so that's what I do, but oh, Cisco as an organization, obviously we, you know, we are in every type of organization, commercial, you know, and every country in the world. So we are, we have, we employ 70,000 employees worldwide. So we're a very big organization. Speaking of, of, uh, employment, we have several positions open right now and we post, we were very, very, um, uh, mindful of, of wanting to bring in women technologists and specialists into the organization. Our CEO is like behind this and uh, in the, the entire leadership at uh, Cisco is very much into that. And so uh, for anybody who's interested in listening to this podcast, you can go to uh, www.cisco.com and then go under uh, careers, uh, Cisco careers. And then there are several jobs for security sales specialists uh, for same role as mine, technical security architect, system engineers. So there is uh, just tons of opportunities in this company. And uh, we work with uh, organizations to do mentoring and even internally, obviously. So pretty um, you know, robust programs inside the organization. And you can send that, um, since we have, I can email you as a reminder, um, 
any any positions you all have, I can uh, put it out there for the Get With It on our Slack channel or. Awesome. Um, I'll send you even the job IDs. So that was, oh, perfect. Even easier for people. Yes. So we can share with our community here. Um, and I'm assuming a lot of it's remote right now because of our switch. Yes. So Cisco right here, I just already uh, put it in the chat for you. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we have actually a policy right now. None of uh, Cisco employees can actually visit a customer on site until end of June of this of 2021. Oh, okay. uh, and then subject to be determined after that if something changes. But we're connectivity. Everything is more right now. It tells you a lot where we're going to be for the next. Yes. Yeah. So. Um... Let's, this is where I like to lead into since we're in this crazy world we're in. So tell me how for each of you and whoever would like to throw it out there, how, how has this 2020 been? You know, I've interviewed um, a lot of women that are CEOs, CIOs, and they're saying our businesses are booming. You know, we're in, I just interviewed a, uh, Vicky not, and she's really into the oil industry and she's up in Canada and she's like, Oh, I'm blowing up, but that's not always the case <laughs> for a lot of industries. So uh, from each of you, how has that affected your, months. yeah. How, how has that affected your, not only your life, but how you do your job and that kind of thing. Well, if I can give you a little bit of both um, uh, effects. Uh, on one hand, the consulting job is doing really well now, but it wasn't so much in March and April when companies had to shut down and save their businesses and their employees. So one of the first thing they cut was actually their third-party vendors, if they could, and their consultant, even if, of course, they need cybersecurity, of course, they need help protecting their systems and their networks, especially now that all their employees are working from home and most likely connecting from unsecured devices and unsecure connection. But in March and April, our consulting business was uh, struggling because so many contracts got canceled or delayed or again, the government um, contract as well, because they didn't even know how to process a lot of this stuff once people were not into the office. Things are going a lot better now, but it was also up to my CEO and our team to reinvent some of the services we were providing and rebuilding our portfolio. As a professor and an instructor, um, not much has changed for me because my course was already online. So I was able to ramp up. We actually offer even more times a year because not everybody was able to make this transition online so seamlessly, but students are suffering. So I actually provide a lot more um, through on, on, you know, emails, phone uh, support, because even if the students already took my class online, now they're taking every class, every lab, everything. And, um, and they've they're struggling. So I've actually put a lot more hours, um, even if I'm not a paid, uh, you know, I'm not paid by by the hour into uh, teaching and mentoring my students who are struggling, um, doing everything from home. So that is, I think I would say has been the biggest struggles. I feel like I work a lot more now than ever before, especially from home, you're never disconnected, you're always online, you're always connected, you're always available. And so it's been very difficult to find that you know, work-life balance. Francesca, I can tell you third grade is kicking my ass, just mm. so you know. <laughs> 
My kids I can't imagine. School, I'm grateful back. that my child is in a small school and is able to continue to go to school because I cannot imagine on top of taking care of my 20, 25-year-old students having to take care of a six-year-old and his homeschooling. Yeah, yeah, my kids were in school and they shut the district down because of the bus situation. And so uh, we don't, we don't, we didn't have a lot of COVID cases, but they didn't have the substitutes for the bus drivers. And then when you had to quarantine, because you may have come across then that. So um, I have a high schooler and she's, she's kind of on her own. Um, but my, my third grader, God, their grades hard. <laughs> I can't imagine that they how they sit still. Like how, like that's probably the hardest part, just getting them to pay attention. Absolutely, no way. My child is so good with technology. If I stepped away from the room, he would be playing video games or watching Netflix. And there's no way homeschooling in front of an iPad would have ever worked with him. So I'm so grateful that he's able to continue to go to school in a safe environment. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, mine's on the spectrum, so he needs a lot of attention. And uh, it's yes, we have to compromise. Like you know, do your math and then we'll take 20 minutes and you can play a video game or watch something on TV. And so, yeah, we have to break it up. But um, I'd read a research paper this week and I was like, what, what third graders in a research paper? So, yeah. yeah. So, um, Francesca, just- I may be calling you on the side, girl. <laughs> Since I'm kind of in the same field as Francesco, as far as I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about what's going on for me and my students. I mean, I, I just like what Francesca was saying, I, I feel for the students because, well, a lot of my students are actually taking on more work, work because, you know, they, they're in the nursing homes, they're in the, the supermarkets, they're, you know, they're essential workers. So the, the computer science part of it, because I teach computer science, we're pretty good with the computers, right? So it's actually better in a lot of ways to teach online because when we share our screen, for example, like if we're writing code, I can actually see it better because instead of leaning over someone, you know, so there's some, there's some good aspects to it. But as far as the students go, they've, I've just noticed that a lot of them that were maybe working part-time before, are now working full time, they need the money, they have the opportunity to do that. And seriously, a lot of my students are working full time and going to school full time right now, and they are tired. So I'll be thankful when this is over. But I also think that we've learned a lot. Like, I think that there's a happy medium between face to face and online. Like, I think hybrid might be a, a good way to go where we don't have to be with the students as much as we were before so they could have more flexibility, um, but we'll see how it goes. But it's, it's been a struggle, lots more work. Wow. I concur with that. There is no way to, we're going back to normal. We're gonna yeah. reinvent the world. We're gonna take some of the lessons learned both in the private sector and academia and hopefully do better using technology yeah. in a secure way. <laughs> yeah, in a secure way. That could be the tagline. <laughs> I think I'll go next. So for us, for me personally, nothing really changed a lot in terms of my day-to-day because uh, my office at home was set up from the get-go. Usually a lot of Cisco employees work from home. Uh, I had an office location too, but uh, whenever I went there, I was basically the only one in there. So nobody really used the office space. 
But what I do miss is meeting face-to-face with my customers. It's a little harder to uh, build rapport and, you know, talk about, you know, the emerging things. Uh, There's a lot of noise. There's just so much noise from every type of organization talking to the customers. So, uh, you know, cybersecurity is not their only job, right? That's not their core competency. They have a lot of other things going on. And so when I, for me, it's a little difficult because, you know, I'll see a message coming in that there is a big rise and, you know, this kind of attack going uh, around, or there is a big issue with ransomware going around. And it is really hard to always communicate that to your customer because the customer always think as a vendor, you're trying to reach out to them to summon something. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is really like, oh my God, this is happening. If I don't tell them, you know, I'm putting them at risk. And if I tell them, they think I am trying to pitch them or sell to them. So it is always a, a, a difficult thing to balance. Whereas if you meet the customer consistently, you're able to build and, and see them in the face. And, they, you know, there's always that body language that comes across when you're in front of someone versus when you're on a computer, sitting in front of a computer. You cannot always, that doesn't come through. So from a sales perspective, um, I think it makes it more difficult. But in terms of how it affected my business, it did not. Because whenever something like this happens, obviously people think about their uh, you know, cyber resiliency and, and how they are going to protect the organization and the organization's assets. So it didn't hurt me in terms of um, or you know, our business at Cisco. But I think that some of that one-on-one you know, face-to-face is uh, missing. And to Francesco's point, you're just always connected. Yes. <laughs> so what I try to do is, um, you know, set a limit at least to get my exercise in um, and just do that because you're just sitting down all the time. I worry that I'm going to be like really bottom heavy very soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going <laughs> yeah, so... So I try to get some exercise in, and even in terms of sanity, right? I mean, you can all, I am somebody who does not watch TV a lot, and I have very short attention span about how much I can consume. So I watch a movie in 20 minutes. I cannot take two hours to watch a movie or just, I can't do it. Uh, and so the, the normal things we used to go, you know, meeting with people and being outside to refresh yourself, to refresh your mind to have a different, um, you know, type of interaction, uh, all of that is pretty much very limited right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a struggle. And that's a big struggle. And I have a grown up kid that lives with me. So he doesn't really talk with me a lot <laughs> other than mom was there to eat. So, uh, you know, so that's, that makes it a little challenge. You kind of feel secluded. Um, so those are Elizabeth, the- you should have told us that you normally do this with a glass of wine and we could have all used oh, this all also use for it. us to gather and share all of this. Shoot, yeah. after my three hours already with third grade, I could have, <laughs> I need to start with it. Breakfast. <laughs> yes. So Kim, how about with you? Well, I think it, it's been very busy. We, we were in the midst of um, starting a huge project at Ocean, um, the uh, other engineers, the network engineers, are they're upgrading the entire infrastructure. That was a planned project when the pandemic hit. Uh, it's been amazing that we've been able to just continue doing that, um, meeting the members. A lot of people aren't on site. So, you know, they, they schedule time, they get in there, they get the equipment set up. Um, and then personally, 
the projects that I'm working on have, uh, well, I handle web filtering. So not just the Cisco umbrella, but also the K-12 web filtering. And when the pandemic hit and everybody went remote, we had to support our members and help them to transition. How can we best do this? How can we protect the devices? A lot of them didn't have the uh, offsite filtering because they weren't allowing the devices to go home. So it was very challenging those first few weeks. I know I was doing a lot of 10 hour days and I'd, I'd just walk away from my desk like, <laughs> oh my word. Um, but it, it all worked out well. Um, and, and we just continue to be busy. Uh, the the membership uh, member service team, they're always coming in with new ideas, you know, endpoint protection, you know, I've talked about with Mary and her team and we're, we're looking into that. There's just constant products that are coming along and we're trying to see what can we handle and what can we get out. So um, professionally, it's been great. I'm grateful that I have a job uh, and, we're, and we're doing so well. People need us. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, personally, I find time for exercise. I've been running since I was 17. Um, not that I'm, you know, a professional, uh, you know, I get out for exercise, but I make a point of getting out every day, running or walking. I need the fresh air. I need the space in my head. Um, and what I find about, I didn't think I was going to like working from home. Never thought I'd like that. I actually love it. I have to be really strict with myself on the boundaries to clarify. Um, I'm actually sitting in my living room right now. I have I live on a lake. I have a wonderful view. I don't want to go into the basement. There's a finished room, but I want to be up where the sunshine is. Um, but saying that, when my husband and I sit down to relax at night, we're in the living room. So I, I literally close down my work computer. I put my headphones away. I clear the space so that when I'm sitting here relaxing, you know, I'm really physically in a place where I'm not looking at my computer. Uh, but there are things, you know, I was... I had some personal stuff last night. I'm in a book club. I was on that call. And as soon as I got done, I had to switch over because we were making some changes on some equipment for a, for a, a member last night. So at eight o'clock, I'm online. But, you know, those things happen. It, it works out. And right. I'll take, you know, if I have something to do in the app at lunchtime, I'll run in and take care of things. You know, it's, there's, so there's more flexibility. Um, and just, just kind of as a, a, an aside on this whole pandemic, my husband retired a few years ago and um, I kept thinking, I don't know that I'll ever be able to retire. We're going to, you know, the typical, how can these two people be in the same place, right? We've gotten along really well and we're both surprised and we're like, Hey, we're kind of looking forward to the day when I get to that point, we know we can do this. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the same in my house, but good for you. <laughs> I didn't think so until this happened. So you never know. <laughs> that is true. Oh, you hear my dog now. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, Kim kind of started us off with what I like to know is um, you, you all have lives outside of work, right? I mean, we, we all, we try to have lives outside of work, um, mom, whatever it may be. So um, Kim, what do you do outside of work? Will you run? Do you think yeah. about work when you're running? <laughs> yes, I take calls and instant messages while I'm running. I, you know, because part of that is now that I'm home, I can run at different times. So right. I might start my day early when I used to run because I had to be in the office by whatever time. Now I just roll over to my desk with my cup of coffee and I start work. 
So yeah, I, I will. I'll take um, messages. My boss has called me a couple times and I'm like, uh, I'm out of my run. And he goes, oh, that's okay. You know, and then he'll, we'll talk through whatever the issue is. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but I do run, I, I do yoga, but I haven't done it a lot during the pandemic. I actually just started getting back into that. Uh, I have to say through the, through the last 25 years of working, I was always in school. I was, I, you know, returned back to school in my late twenties. I got one degree. I went back to school in my late thirties to get another degree. So it's always been work and in school with my family, raising my kids this is actually the last few years I've really tried to be strict about having a boundary and making sure that I do enjoy things because I just think I let, I didn't focus on that a lot. And I, I, I think that I think I should have focused on more of what will replenish me. So I think it's very important. Um, I'm part of a book club. Uh, we get together once a month and chat it's, but there are, there are things we can still do. Um, I do, I'm able to do some volunteer work online um, and get together with people in Zoom calls. I think it's very important. I don't get a lot of face-to-face. I miss that. A big night for us might be leaving the house at 7.30 and I'll say to my husband, I need to go buy bananas. Let's go to Walmart. I mean, I never thought I'd be like that, but that has become a highlight. I walk around the store mindlessly just to not be home for a few, for an hour. So that's... <laughs> understood. <laughs> How about you, Francesca? A little bit of all of that. I'm actually also very mindful to get a little bit of exercise every day. I invested on a Peloton bike uh, back in like February, March, when we knew we were going to be stuck inside. But as soon, soon after, I bought a standing desk that goes on top of it. So I would sit there and actually work and just pedaling to get my legs moving. So I actually have a very hard time completely disconnecting for sure. Um, and I don't actually go to stores or anything. I get all my stuff delivered, but I try to spend time with my son outside in our backyard. I'm not a super handy person, but this summer uh, we were glad to have our own space outdoors. So we built him a sandbox, a vegetable gardens, again, things I would have never done before probably. Uh, so trying to spend a little time outside with my child, it's really like, and, and that's when I have to disconnect and turn off all the phones and emails etc um and, and trying to stay mindfully connected also because my whole family is in italy and friends and colleagues are all over the world i have taken more time to have mindful calls on zoom or webex or facetime that is not about work and trying to reconnect with people asking how they're doing how their family are doing even people i had not talked to um i've, I've made a point this in the past eight months to reconnect and ask and people are extremely grateful and appreciative of that connection and you know it's important for me as well and I'm assuming you haven't been able to travel to Italy to see your family. We, my son and I actually did go to Italy this summer because we are dual citizen. We have passports, so we were able to go and come back. But with all the precaution, we were able to isolate, quarantine, get tested. In Europe, you can get a test within 20 hours to have a result for the PCR. Um, so we did all of that and were able to spend some time with my family with the same restriction, mask wearing outside, etc., and did the same thing on the way back. Uh, but we wouldn't do that right now during the holidays. I think during the summer it was safer to do and now we're just hoping for a vaccine before we travel again next uh, summer ideally got it got it okay all right uh mary yeah so for me like i said just trying to get the exercise in and um, i do a lot of reading too 
Uh, I have a couple of books going on that I try to get to, and um, it's a struggle. Uh, for me, unplugging is a struggle. And I, I was, what Kim just said kind of resonates so much with me because all my life I've been doing school and work and raising kids. And um, hearing somebody else say, I wish I did less of that and more of just me, uh, a little bit more of me, it, it's kind of uh, hitting home for me because <laughs> right now I'm studying for a certification and working. Um, so I don't think I take as much time as I should for myself. And that is hard because there's, um, if you do that all the time and can probably can uh, attest to this, you almost feel guilty when you don't. Uh, it's almost like the world is moving forward and I am not, oh my God, right? It's a big deal. Um, so I think that those are kind of the struggles, but at the end of the day, um, I'm hoping to get more balance in that area. I haven't achieved it yet for myself. I don't well, think, I, I think a lot of women have a, have not reached that balance of, <clears throat> I think there's a guilt women have if they do take time for themselves. Um, so. Yeah, but I love to travel and I had plans to go to Australia. My sister lives in Australia and Sydney and we were supposed to uh, go to New Zealand and uh, I was going to stay there for a month and a half because at Cisco, they don't care where you are um, as long as they, they have good internet connection and I was going to take some time off and that didn't happen. So instead, I went to Florida, stayed at the beach by myself. It was all right. Was it warm? <laughs> yes, I, I swam every day and I did like six mile walks every day. So it was really nice. Um, the only thing about Australia and New Zealand is watch out for those spiders and snakes. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're no joke. <laughs> I don't like our friends, Mr. and Mrs. Spider. Yes. Yeah. No joke. <laughs> Mary, just to let you know, um, Vensi, do you know, uh, do you know Vensi from Ocean? I'm not sure if I if okay. probably face to face, but not by name. Okay. He lived there. He lived in New Zealand for a few years. So before you take oh. that trip, I'll make a connection if you have any questions. Okay. He'll... That would be great. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. Awesome. Spiders and snakes. That's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Suzanne. Well, I love to travel. So that I, you know, that what you guys are talking about, that's what I really miss, I think, is, is, is traveling. But I, I, I'm lucky I live in a beautiful area. I live like a half a mile from where Francesca School, um, uh, Salve Regina, and it's such a beautiful area. I, I like to just go out and walk. So I'll just, I won't have a destination. I'll just walk out of my house and I'll just end up somewhere and it'll be the ocean or, <laughs> you know, it's really wonderful to live here. So I just walk in various places every day. I like to get the fresh air too. In the summer, I kayak a lot. Oh, that's good. My husband and I, yeah, we, we try to get kayaking every day. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been doing lately. So you're all in Rhode Island except Francesca. Is that correct? Correct. Just temporarily. So my husband is a Navy officer. And so we keep moving because of his job. But we were lucky enough to spend a lot of time in Newport, Rhode Island. As Suzanne said, one of the most beautiful places on earth. When I first moved there, again, I had only lived in big cities, studied in Paris and Milan and Boston. I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I've just thrown away all my dreams and my you know, dreams of being a diplomat to being this small, t teeny town and turned out to be one of the best things I've ever done in my life. One, because of the opportunity 
opportunities I was given once there to be, you know, big fish in a small pond and meet wonderful community, but also because it's really, really beautiful. And all year round, there is something to do outdoor, indoor um, with a beautiful community. So we look forward to being back in Rhode Island as soon as the Navy allows. All right. Wow. I guess I should come check out Newport, Rhode Island. Come on out. <laughs> Let us know when you come out. Okay, yeah. I will. I'm off. Especially if you like sailing. Again, oh, one yes. of the greatest yes. place for, for sailing and being, uh, again, on the water. the water. Maybe not all year round, but, you know, six months. Is it cold there? Right now it is. Right now it <laughs> Probably not colder than Ohio. Uh, and at least we have the ocean and it's not as humid. I hate like summer now down here in Virginia, it's extremely humid and hot. That is true. Um, Ohio today may hit in the fifties. So. We're about 10 degrees cooler today. Okay. okay. All right. Well, I have, <clears throat> excuse me. I have the Pell Center Cyber Le Leadership Project, right? Did I say that correctly, Francesca? That's right. So that's our research project. But underneath that, we also have our initiative, uh, which is called the Rhode Island Corporate Cybersecurity Initiative, which is where we would normally host in-person seminar, conference, tabletop exercise. We've done some of that virtually, um, but really miss that community um, and the opportunity to get together. So we look forward to, you know, starting again uh, later next year, probably. So does this... Is this because you ladies did the virtual event, right? Women's yes. Journey. Through so we, we had more than one, actually, again, during the fall, especially for both our students and community. Ocean um, hosted one for their constituency. So, you know, people across the board in different industry. Salve, um, the Pell Center hosted another one specific for students or so college and, um, and graduate students who were looking into pursuing a career in cybersecurity. And those were some of the most successful events I think both Ocean and the Pell Center hosted. And so we look forward to offering something like that again, and we'll probably do it virtually. So we'll make sure that we send you the details and so that your listener can also participate. We had people with different backgrounds, discussing both of their, um, how they got into cybersecurity, were some of the opportunities in the cybersecurity field, both technical and non-technical, were some of the things that people that are in that mid-level career looking to make a transition into cybersecurity can do. So those were great events, lots of questions, very engaging. Okay, perfect. Yeah, if you send me that information, anything virtual, um, our community loves that. We um, did our virtual WitCon um, in September and we had people from across the country. So it was, um, I think, um, I don't like the term new normal. I don't like that term at all. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna um, have to find something else though that rhymes with that or is along this line. We're not going back to what used to be right. normal. Yes, um, we're gonna figure out a new environment. And it will be more of a hybrid yes. environment. We're yeah. Hopefully we'll resume seeing each other in person. But I think a lot of these events will continue to be virtual. And we can actually reach people all over the world. Just last week, I was giving a speech in Japan at three in the morning and was able to then jump on a panel discussion in Africa and brief clients in Europe. I would have never probably even imagined doing that last year. Not because right. the technology wasn't there. It's just not how we operated. It, right. It wasn't how, right. So um, I agree with you. I think things are now going to be like a hybrid where we can reach more people um, worldwide. Um, so yes, 
Um, I can imagine that it would be, it will be hybrid, but so, um, Mary, well, Mary, I have your information here with the jobs and I'll add your website also. And Kim, thank you. You sent over the website and then Francesca, I have yours. Suzanne, do you have anything that you like would want, um, through your organization? Um, I can provide to our listeners, um, I'll give you the website for Gen Cyber. Okay, perfect. It's the organization with the, funded by the NSA and NSF where we educate high school students. And uh, I just have to look it up. I'll put it in the, in the uh, post, I mean, in the chat. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right. Well, anything else you ladies want to promote, um, throw out there to our listeners? I would... Um... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I, the, our CEO, Dave Marble, um, had been instrumental for me in promoting my participation with other women, with groups of uh, there. We have a women in technology group in Rhode Island that uh, is sponsored through the Tech Collective. And that was huge. I had never had a resource like that in a network like that. And I, I started going and wound up becoming a mentor and just saw such value in that relationship. Um, I wish I had a mentor when I was all, all those 20 other years that I was in <laughs> technology. Uh, it was, it's a man's, it was a man's world. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have a problem with that. I mean, in terms of um, working with other men, with men, I, I you know, it's a, but when I got into this group of women, the energy that I got from these women, and, and it's a direct result sitting here today. I probably wouldn't be here if I hadn't started with women in technology a few years ago, and then just kind of got a, it evolved into all of this participation. Um, and it's just been wonderful for me. I've gotten a lot out of it, and I couldn't be, you know, so I'd love to talk, you know, I'd love to just promote that. And I know that there are tech collectives and the women in technology groups in other areas throughout the country. So any of your listeners, find groups that you can network with and ask somebody to be a mentor. You know, people, I think generally want to help. I have a few. (laughs) Yeah. They keep me in line. I was just going to say the link I send you also has all our research and publications. So for those who are still sitting at home, um, but want to have something to read that is a bit different, less technical, but still discuss cybersecurity, their best practices in industry, education, how we incorporate cyber into non-traditional field. Um, for those who are in academia and thinking, well, I'm not an engineer in computer science, but I recognize the importance of cybersecurity in the legal governance, public policy, financial field. How do I incorporate that in my class, in my course, in my department, I have published extensively on those issues and they're all on that same link I just shared with you. And just for your younger viewers, the um, I just wanted to throw out women in cybersecurity as an organization that they should look into. And also uh, Grace Hopper, if they haven't um, looked into Grace Hopper, there's a lot of funding available for, for um, young women to go to this conference, Grace Hopper. Um, and it's an amazing experience. I've, I've you know, 10,000 women now 20,000 women getting together, it's, it's, there's nothing like it. <laughs> so I would suggest people to try to, to get to that conference if they can. Usually when you go to a conference as a woman, it's usually all guys, you know, which is fine. But when you go to Great Opera and it's all women, it's, it's a different experience. So 
Suzanne, I agree with that. And if while you're there, if you're looking for a job, stop at Cisco's booth. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was actually there uh, the last time they had it in person. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty fantastic. There's a lot of great speakers. And um, I think, uh, you know, we as women, we, we sometimes think that if we get into a job that just requires a lot of upkeeping in terms of always keeping up on top of, uh, you know, what is going on, the trends, keeping educated, keeping yourself informed, that it is going to take away from your family life so much that it is, it is going to throw your balance off. And I think that that's, that is a misconception because in every job you do, I think there is some element of that already there. The goodness in being in security is that if this is really something you love, um, you can find that thing within cyber that really, really creates that niche for you, that you just brings out all your creative juices, right? That gets you motivated. It no longer seems to be a job. It's just the thing that you love to do. And when you find that, it is no longer work. And so um, I'm sure, you know, that that is true for most things in life, that if you really work hard at something, you'll get to that point. But don't let technology intimidate you because there's just so much resources. If you're stuck at something, YouTube it. Go to different resources. Work with a mentor. Somebody else is doing this as an expert. Find their podcast. Find who is, who's, you know, who's moving the world in that space. Uh, and just learn from them and follow their footsteps. Have a role model for whatever it is that you want to do. Um, so don't get intimidated by this field just because it's vast and it just seems like so big. Find your thing that you love to do within it. You don't, you don't need to know everything. You just need to focus on what you love to do. And then the rest will come. So Perfect. Perfect way to end this podcast. Nicely said. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely said. All right. Well, ladies, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me today and um, sharing your knowledge and um, hanging out with me. And um, I wish you all the luck. I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you guys because I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of people reach out to me and ask how they get a hold of you. So um, I thank you for your time. And um, who knows? Maybe get what it will head out to Newport. Awesome. We'll start a chapter in, in Newport. Please do. And I'm sure you could easily see all of us within a you know, couple of miles so when we're allowed to you know, be in person yeah, so again. I'll have to wait till, you know, everybody has the vaccine and we're, we're back to face to face. So definitely. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. We will see you next time and feel free to drop us a line at getwitit.org.